Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. So this is going to be another uh, split up message because the last message that I was preaching in this, we just got point one, which has kind of been the story, which I've kind of been okay with. That's, I I don't love it when I'm studying because I I feel like I want to get the whole thing, but then I'm like, you know what, Lord, whatever you want to do in this. And so uh, we, we had the first part of this verse and then the first point in that. And the first part of the verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, says, but the Lord is faithful. And then the, the point number one was God's faithfulness is foundational to our spiritual success. And if you were here uh, a couple weeks ago, you saw that we went through Lamentations chapter 3, a little bit of it, and saw that God's faithfulness is great. And so this, that means it's limitless. It's incomparable. God has given, uh, he's shown himself faithful over and over and over again. And the question that I asked uh, in that message was this. Does your faithfulness to God reflect the faithfulness of God to you? And um, some people may argue, well, there's no way that we could ever be as faithful to God as God is to us. I agree with that 100%, but it still should pose a challenge to us. If our God is so great in, in his faithfulness to us, then that, our, our faithfulness should reflect that to him. And so um, the truth is this, everything about our lives must be grounded upon this fact that God is faithful. And, and somebody said, so what, what, what do you mean about that? I mean, as his people, everything that we do, every single thing that we do in our lives, I believe should resound faithfulness to God because we've been recipients of God's goodness and his faithfulness. So when, when we go to our jobs, when we are with our family, when we are out at the store, everything in our lives, everything that we do, I believe, should resound faithfulness to God. Those people are the people of God because again, as seen in our faithfulness to God in all things. So when we consider other truths about who God is and what God does and what God even allows in our lives, uh, again, considering things like what we just learned about Brother Everett, you know, out, of, out of nowhere, cancer. So why is this allowed? I mean, did, did God fall short in something? Did, did God miss something? Did God mess up in, fact that, in, in the fact that one of his children uh, got cancer? You know, you, you look at someone who is, who is serving the Lord and, and, and is faithful and, and gathering in worship and uh, has a heart for the Lord, has a heart for uh, being faithful to the Lord. Why does God allow this? You know, so when we consider the things of who God is and what he does and what he allows, this is something that has to be set. We must always bear in mind God's limitless faithfulness, his great faithfulness. So when we consider, again, everything in our lives has to be based on this, that God is always faithful. God never falls short. He never misses the mark. He never lets something slip by. He is always faithful in all things. And so I want to pray tonight with that being kind of the, the, background, uh, the backdrop and the background of what we're about to see in the next part of this verse, that God is faithful. He's always faithful. He's, he's limitless in his faithfulness. Um, and so I want to pray and move on to the next part of this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us again to meet here uh, in, in your name. And we thank you for uh, what we've already been able to do, Lord, as far as sing praises to your name and uh, even give to you tangibly a portion of what you've blessed us uh, with greatly. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just continue to move in this service tonight. We lift up uh, Brother Everett right now. Uh, 
Uh, she's still in surgery, and we pray for Miss Deborah. I know the, um, the doctors were uh, kind of forecasting a, maybe a little bit shorter surgery time, but we know, again, that you're in control, and we have prayed for the doctors, and we continue to pray for them. We prayed for the nurses and, and everybody assisting. Uh, and, Lord, so we trust you in all this. We pray, uh, we pray that you would give them your wisdom and that they would be guided by your hand. And so uh, I thank you uh, that it's taken longer. Lord, sometimes uh, it means that they're taking more careful thought and uh, being extra careful in things. And so, again, we trust you in all of it, and we pray that you continue to uh, just uh, be with them. And I pray the surgery would be a great success. And, uh, Lord, on the other side of all this, we'd be able to praise you uh, for answered prayer in, in this regard. And, and, again, regardless of um, what we think, what we ask god we want you to be glorified uh, in this and through this and oh again we thank you for bringing the jones uh, family home to us and all the things that uh, you have done with them and through them and um, and, and even in their lives god we, we're just so thankful for them and their faithfulness and their dedication to you and again thank you for bringing them home safely uh, we pray that you would uh, be with christian and shauna as well as we said that uh, we want to pray for them tonight and the situations that they're dealing with, uh, God, the, uh, the different uh, issues of, of power plays over there, Lord, we pray that uh, the, the efforts of man would be brought down and that your will would be accomplished in all things there in the work there. And tonight, Lord, we ask that you would, uh, Lord, just use me as a vessel. God, that's all that, that I want, uh, that's all that we need is uh, to hear from you and your word and to be strengthened uh, through the power of your spirit. And so tonight we ask that you would just be glorified even in this time. And we'll praise you for that as well. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, um, again, I want to look back again at the ver first part of that verse 3. Paul affirming to the Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. And if you look at the next phrase, it says, who shall establish you or who shall strengthen you who's going to make your posture which basically talking about uh, the entirety of your being uh, being your posture firm or another way to say it is to establish you in a place so god who is ever faithful never lacking in his faithfulness his desire paul's desire is for god to establish them in the place that they're at now that's not necessarily talking about geographically the place that they're at again in the posture of their being question I have, though, is what is important about Paul encouraging the Thessalonians with the truth of God being able to strengthen them or the prayer that God would strengthen them in his faithfulness? God being faithful and his, his, his uh, desire, his charge that God would keep them or, or uh, make them strong in the place that they're at. Now, if you've been here, you know that the Thessalonians at this point in time were going through great persecution. It was something that they were dealing with, something that they were facing even from the very beginning of the founding of the church there in Thessalonica. And so this is what they were standing in need of. They were needing God to strengthen them in the face of great persecution. Maybe it's something that we can't associate with, something that we can't uh, say, you know what, I, I see what they may be facing. Uh, you know, and, and, and I need that kind of strength in my life because I feel like I'm being persecuted. There's not, I don't think very many of us in this room uh, that can uh, empathize with what Paul is uh, trying to encourage these Thessalonians with. But this is something that is important for, the, for, for them, but it's also important for us today. Paul, again, reminding them from where their strength would come, through, come from 
uh, in the storm. Not just strength for the trouble, not just strength for the persecution, not just strength for uh, what they were dealing with on the, on the bad side of their life, but strength for everything in their life. If you look at the, the structure of this word, establish, it's to fix something so that it stands upright, so that it's immovable. And so again, think about here the Thessalonians facing persecution, facing difficulty, facing trouble. Let's make it a little more maybe appropriate for us tonight, uh, if we can. Facing a storm, facing a trial, facing affliction, facing something that's not uh, ideal, if you will, uh, in, in, in this life. And Paul's saying, my prayer is that this faithful God who is limitless in his faithfulness would make you strong. And, and I think that's an interesting thing, right? Because most of the time, our prayers when we go through things are things like this. God, please stop this. God, please get me out of this. God, please fix this. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he could have been praying anything for these, these Thessalonians. He could, have, he could have been saying, you know, I'm praying that this faithful God would remove the, the persecution from your life so that you could serve him in all comfort. I love you guys, and I want you to have a, a, an amazing life. I want you to have no trouble in your life. And so I'm praying that this faithful God who is limitless in his faithfulness, is limitless in his resources, would deliver you. Now, there's times that, that we see that there, those types of prayers are made, but here Paul, again, is, is, is drawing from the faithfulness of God and his prayer for the Thessalonians going through persecution, going through trouble, is that God would make them strong in the face of what they were going through. Again, when we look at our lives, we say, God, I just want this difficulty to end. Maybe sometimes our prayers should be different. God, give me the strength to go through this trial. God, give me your strength in the midst of this trial. God, you are all faithful. You have limitless resources. And, and obviously, in your faithfulness and in your wisdom and in, in, in your, 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 your greatness, you've seen fit for me to go through this trial for some reason. And so I, I want to count it joy that you'll accomplish in me and through this trial in me what you desire. And so, God, I'm, I'm not asking you just to, to, to rescue me from this, this difficult storm. I'm asking you to give me the strength that I need from you in the middle of this storm. Amen. And I would venture to say that that's what they would want if they truly did trust the faithful God that they had said they put their trust in. Again, I, I look at, I look at where, where, where I've been before and, and even think, you know, I've asked God, God, deliver. God, stop. God, move in this way and, and, and help it to end or, or whatever. I've prayed those prayers and, 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 and I think sometimes that's, that's okay to pray depending on the circumstances and depending on what it is that you're praying about. But when it has to do with something that we're going through that's maybe difficult or uncomfortable, I think many times we miss the mark by not praying, God, give me the strength to go through this. It takes faithfulness to God to even pray a prayer like that, to say, God, give me, give me strength and faithfulness that way to him. Well, what, what's important about the Lord being the one to establish in this? 
what established us in this? What, what was important about the Lord being the one to establish, uh, to hold the Thessalonian believers upright in the middle of the storm? What was important about uh, the Lord being the one to do that work? If we have absolute sincere confidence, if we have absolute trust in the faithful in ourselves, then we too should want that kind of resolve in every circumstance. We too should want that type of strength regardless of what we're going through. If we say, I believe in God, I trust God, I trust Him in everything that He does and all of His decisions and all of His wisdom and all of His faithfulness, I trust Him wholly then if we truly trust him with sincere confidence that he is faithful and he is who he says he is, then that's exactly what we should want. Because we would know that even through this trial, it's what's best for us because he's good, because he's faithful, because he's right. Even in the midst of this storm and this difficulty and in this turmoil that I'm going through right now, I can't get out of it myself. And for some reason, God in his wisdom and his faithfulness is allowing me to go through this. So God, just strengthen me. Strengthen me. We should have that type of desire. We should have that type of desire for that type of resolve, regardless of what we go through. Not to run away from the one and his will who ran to the cross for us, but to run to him in the middle of the storm. That's what Paul was trying to tell these Thessalonians. Look, the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you. Don't run away from him. Don't cower down in fear. Don't run away from the fight. Don't do that. But trust in the one who is faithful, who can strengthen you in the middle of the storm. Don't give up on living for the one who died for you. But live for him as a sacrifice, willing to even give your own life, if so called to do so. Again, the question I asked in the, last, in the last message was, does your faithfulness to God reflect the faithfulness of God to you? And I wonder, in the middle of those storms, in the middle of those, in, in those, in those moments, in those, those seasons of our life where we're facing the difficulty, we're facing the, the, that, that just frustrating experience that we just want it to be over with and we can get along with our life serving God just like, ever, just like we uh, did all before that. We should be faithful, even in the midst of the storm, because where we draw our strength from. The amazing thing is, we can have that. If we can be that rock of faith and that faithfulness to God, unmoved by any storm, unmoved by any great valley, unmoved by anything. And this is the amazing thing. This is the thing that is so uh, encouraging and exciting in all of this. You say, man, I want to be that Christian. I, I want to be that Christian that when, 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 when my marriage is attacked and, and my faith is attacked and my health is attacked and, 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 and my, just, just my, my, my emotions and my mind and, and my, my, my family, all these things, when I go through the storm, I want to be that, that Christian that is faithful to God regardless, unmovable. I want to be that Christian. So, well, how can we do that? Here, here's the amazing part about it. This is what I love about this verse here. It's only possible through the establishing work of God himself. The reality is we, can, we have nothing in ourselves because the truth is this. We, have, we face an enemy 
who we stand no chance against in our own strength. We, we, there's circumstances in this life that if, if not for God and his strength in us would absolutely wipe us out. There's, we, we stand no chance in our own strength. And you know why? Because I know myself, I've tried to do it. I've seen many people in our church try to, try to weather storms in their own strength. And you know what happens? They're crippled underneath the weight of it. Crippled. Sometimes utterly leaving the fellowship of believers. Wanting to pull away and stop and, and all those things. And it's the reason, the reason why is they're relying on their own fortitude. They're relying on their own abilities to be strong in the middle of the storm. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. That's exactly what is, is a recipe for failure in every single one of our lives. Regardless of who you are, how long you've been a Christian, what position you hold, that's a recipe for, for failure when we think that we can handle it ourselves. I've been a Christian this long. I know this much. It doesn't matter what we know or how long we've been a Christian. We are, every attempt on our own is futile. Amen. It's only the Lord that can give us the strength we need. Again, this is the Apostle Paul being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write to these believers and say, it's God who's faithful and it's God that I'm asking to strengthen you and establish you, to make you upright in your position and not waver at all. We search and, and we desire strength every day, and especially in the middle of the, the storms that we go through. And we desire not only that strength, but we also desire stability. And even something I've preached about before, security. Right? That's what we want in our lives. We want to be able to know what one day is going to look like to the next. We want that type of security. We want that type of uh, assurance in, in our day-to-day -day lives, in so many areas of our lives. But here is a, a rock-solid truth. This establishing that Paul is talking about is the establishing that we need. And it's only found in the all-faithful one. You want security, you want strength, you want stability, then you're going to have to go to the Lord and rely completely upon him. It's not, going to found, it's not going to be found in a job or a promotion or an amount that you pay. It's not going to be found in a house. It's not going to be found in, in, in a possession. It's not going to be found in a person. It's not going to be found in anything other than the faithful one himself. And the awesome truth that's found here in this verse is that he is faithful to deliver. Paul wouldn't have said it. Paul wouldn't have, again, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have moved Paul to pen these words if it wasn't possible for God to establish them this way. And therefore us, 2,000 years later, to be established in that same strength. I want to look at, at Paul in, in another se uh, section of Scripture. If you have your um, Bibles ready in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if not, it'll be on the screen. So there were some uh, false apostles, false prophets that were in Corinth, and they were taking advantage of the Corinthian believers, much like in other areas uh, where there was Judaizers and stuff like that. But these people were posing themselves as apostles, and they were false, and they were taking advantage of these fleshly, carnal Christians that Paul called the Corinthian church. And so um, Paul was trying to write their understanding of what is sincere and what is not sincere, and what is true apostleship, and not in, in, in um, false apostleship. And so in chapter 11, verse 1, Paul goes, listen, 
go with me a little bit in some foolishness. Foolishness. He said, what a God, could you bear with me a little in my folly? And indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, because I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So Paul, again, is trying to establish his sincerity. Look, I've not tried to do this for myself, but I've tried to, to, to teach you and instruct you in God's way so that you may be presented to him this way. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity or sincerity that is in Christ. So again, he's saying, look, there, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid. Here's my desire is to present to you this, this church that is pleasing to God, that's sincere in all, its, in all its ways, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the subtlety of, of the serpent, you too, in your own minds, would be carried away from the sincere devotion and from a sincere faith to Christ. It says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, look, listen to what he says. You might well bear with him. You might put up with it. That's what I'm worried about, he says. I don't want you to be moved from a sincere faith to be presented to Christ as, as this church that is pleasing to him. But here's what's concerning to me. That if somebody comes and preaches a different Jesus or a different gospel or, or anything else, that you might put up with it. Verse 5, for us, I, I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest of apostles. And maybe a little bit of, uh, of uh, sarcasm here in uh, Paul's liberty because he's about to get real heavy with it in just a second. But he's basically saying, listen, maybe I, was, uh, I, I wasn't inferior to these self-proclaimed great apostles, if you will. Verse 6, but though I be rude, or not, that means not skilled, in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. He said, look, I, I may not have come to you and been this great speaker, this great eloquent uh, entertainer of, 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 uh, of the people. I may not have done that, but I, I have known, I have had the knowledge, and it's been made thoroughly ma manifest among you in everything. Verse 7, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I've preached to you the gospel of God freely? He says, listen, I came to you, I preached the, the gospel, and I didn't, I didn't ask a dime. I didn't, and, and again, it was even given to uh, the, the apostles, given to ministers to, to, uh, to live by the word of God as those who preach, they should, they should be taken care of by those they preach to. Again, that is in scripture. And so Paul says, but here's the deal. Have I, have I committed an offense in the fact that I didn't charge you anything? I, I tried to, to come to you just and, and preach the gospel. You didn't give me anything. I told you I wouldn't take anything. Look what he says in verse 8. I robbed other churches. And we know that he didn't do it in a sinful way. He was using this as an illustration that I, I took from other churches, taking wages of them so that I could serve you. And when I was present with you and, and wanted them, when, when I was in need, I was chargeable. I was a burden to no man. So I was here, he said, in Corinth, and I was serving, and I was giving to the gospel. I didn't ask a dime for you. Matter of fact, other churches sent to my aid when I needed help, and I, didn't, I wasn't a burden to anybody in the church here, he says. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. There in Philippi, and, and all things I have, uh, I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. See, again, there was false prophets, false apostles trying to say, uh, and they were taking advantage of the Corinthian believers, and they're trying to diminish Paul's true apostleship. And so Paul was saying, look, let's look at some things, first of all. 
He said, I, I, I have come to you, and I've preached the gospel to you, and I haven't asked anything from you. I didn't charge you. I, matter of fact, when I was in need, there were other churches, not you, that sent to my need and, and to take care of me. And so here's what I've done. I've determined not to be a burden to you, Corinthian believers. And I'm going to continue to do that. In verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore? Why? Because I love you not? He says, God knoweth. God knows I love you, he says. But what I do, that will I do. I, what I'm doing right now, I'll continue to do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. Listen, these people that are having these accusations of making claims against me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to serve and I'm going to continue to preach and not take anything from you because then they're not going to have a leg to stand on in their accusations. So I'm going to continue down this route. That wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And it's no marvel, he says, it's no marvel that these people have come and they've deceived you and you believed them. That They've done this because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his servants, his ministers, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. They'll get what they have coming to them. Verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool, receive me. So he says, look, don't think I'm foolish, but if, I, if I'm acting foolish, then, then, then hear me out, that I may boast of myself a little. Because again, these false prophets, these false apostles, didn't have a problem boasting about themselves. They exalted themselves. And so Paul says, okay, if that's how you receive people, let me play this game a little bit with you, if you will. That, I, that which I speak, I speak not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. He said, I want you to understand something right now. Again, this is still the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Paul's talking as a man. He said, listen, he's trying to prove a point, trying to illustrate something to these Corinthian believers. He said, listen, you have to understand something. I'm going to speak as a fool right now. I'm going to speak foolishly as a man. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I'll do it too. And he says, because you also suffer fools gladly, seeing seeing you yourselves are wise for you suffer if a man bring you into bondage if a man devour you if a man take of you if a man exalt himself if a man smite you on the face and i speak concerning reproach as though we had been weak howbeit whereinsoever as any any is uh, whereinsoever any is bold or any anybody boast he says I, I'm, I'm speaking foolishly right now i am bold i am boasting also so here he goes so again, here's the picture. These guys boast. These guys make a big deal about what they do and how, how well they speak and all these things. He goes, I'll play that game too because it seems and it's apparent that, that that's what you are attracted to. That's what you will allow it to, to, to influence your life. So let me play that game for a little bit and I'll, I'll boast. Let me boast a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that and let's talk about what it looks like when we compare the two. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? Now listen what he says. This is an amazing uh, show of humility, even in the middle of this foolish uh, man's take on boasting. He says, I speak as a fool. In other words, a madman. I'm speaking as a madman. Right now. He says, are, they, are they the ministers of Christ? He says, now wait a second. I I'm going to say something as a madman. He says, 
I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the, of the Jews, five times received by 40 stripes, 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, out in the ocean. In journeys often. In other words, you know what? I, I've not been settled. I've been moving from place to place in perils of waters. In other words, in perils, we've crossed different rivers. It's been dangerous. In, in dangerous situations where there's robbers. In dangerous situations by my own countrymen. Perils of the heathen. Perils in the city. Perils in the wilderness. In the desert. In dangerous times out at sea. In dangerous among, uh, among false brethren. And look at what he says. He said, okay, I've been in all these dangerous situations. Now he goes on and says, and in weariness, in other words, in toil, I've been working and working and working, and in painfulness and hardships and watchings often. What does that mean? That means I've had many sleepless nights. I've not had the rest. I've been tired. And, and he goes on and says, and in hunger and thirst and fastings often. What does that mean? It means that he went without food a lot of times. In cold and nakedness, without enough warmth and without enough warm clothes to keep them warm on certain nights. Besides those things which are without, all the things, he says, that I've faced that are, that are outside, this, this cold, this heat, this, these dangerous things on the outside, he says, all these things, he's, listen to what he says, that which cometh the pressures upon me daily, the care, or this burdening weight of all the churches. He says, not only is it all these external things that, are, that are, have been waging against me that I've gone through, he said, on top of all that, every single day, this burdening weight, and not just one, not just you, Corinthian church, but of all the churches. So he asked the question of verse 29, who's weak? And that, that can mean sick. So who, who's sick? Am I not sick? Who's offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities, my weaknesses. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor of uh, Aretas, the, uh, the king, kept the city of the, the, the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. It's not expedient, chapter 12, for me, to doubtless, uh, for, for me doubtless to glory. In other words, there's nothing for me to gain without a doubt to continue boasting. I will come to visions of revelations, Lord. So this is what I've gone through, he says. I've gone through all these things, and this is what I've dealt with. And now he says, and so let's talk about the spiritual side of things. Let's talk about these visions and revelations of the Lord that I've experienced. So I'm going to keep boasting if I, if I need to. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years, whether in body I can't tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows, though. Such a one uh, caught up to the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words. You hear that? Unspeakable words. Which is not lawful for a man to utter. Me and Brother Jaron were talking today about um, uh, a minister that was preaching about uh, the, uh, the different movies about being caught up into heaven and stuff. The, and, and maybe some of you have seen them. But basically this, this, this preacher tore these, these accounts down. Uh, because... Uh, again, this thought that the Apostle Paul was caught up in the third heaven and the things that he saw, the things that he were told, look what he said again. I heard unspeakable words. I, they, can't be, they can't be said. It's not lawful for a man to utter what he saw. 
The things that the, the Apostle John was given by Jesus in the Revelation that were, was said, hey, shut up these things. They're not for now. But Paul says, look, this is what I did. Of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself will I not glory, but my infirmities, my weakness. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, because I will say the truth. But now I forbear. Now I refrain, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that which he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. Not just one, but the abundance of revelations. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. What does that mean, the messenger of Satan? Was given to the Apostle Paul. This Apostle Paul that had gone through all of this negative things, all these negative things, all of this difficult situation, all of these bad things as a servant of God. He'd gone through all of these things. And yet God sent to him the messenger of Satan to buffet him. What, is, what does buffet mean? It means to harass him or to literally beat him with a fist. Isn't that fun to think about? Isn't that fun to think about? Here, here's somebody who's so faithful to God, so dedicated to God, that he's dealt with shipwreck and he's dealt with loss and abandonment and, and people betraying him and, and, he, and he's dealt with, with people uh, doubting his apostleship and he's, he's dealt with, with, with no food and, and, and no clothes and no water and, and, and been in dangerous situations in just about every situation you can think about. And he said, but you know what? I've also experienced some amazing things. I know a guy that was, was taken up the third heaven. He's talking about himself in the third person. So he says, you know, this is, this is what's been given to me. And you know what was also given to me? The messenger of Satan was sent to smack me in the face, to, to, to beat me with a fist. Why? Lest I should be exalted above measure to keep me from being conceited. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. There it is. Remember what we were talking about a while ago? How many, how many of us are guilty of the same thing? God, I'm going through this. Please deliver me from this. God, please let it be gone from me. And look what, look what happens. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So again, the Apostle Paul didn't say, look, I'm praying that you would be delivered from the persecution and the difficult times that you're going through. I'm praying that God would give you, the faithful God would give you the strength in the middle of it. Again, because the Apostle Paul had himself experienced, I think, this exact situation, God, please deliver me from this. I don't know that I can serve you as effectively as, as you want me to if, if I still am dealing with this thing, the messenger of Satan beating me with the fist. I'm not going to get into all the, the different theories of what that would be. Some people think a speech impediment. Some think, people think an, an eye issue. Some people think it was something that, that Paul, maybe an encounter that he had in the past with a person, and, and it was uh, you know, something that was brought up, and it was a problem for him. But Regardless, God's answer to Paul's prayer of being delivered from this problem was, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Look what he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Remember, remember what he says? The Lord is faithful who will establish you who will strengthen you, who will hold you upright regardless of what's coming against you, regardless if, if the, the enemy of, uh, uh, the, the, the army of Satan is coming against you, God has the strength to hold you up even in your most frail state, in your most weak place. God can, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So look what he says in verse 10. Therefore, 
I take pleasure in. Did you hear that, those words? I take pleasure in what? What does that mean? He, she says, therefore, I, I think well of. I think well of infirmities. I think well of my weaknesses. I think well of those weak seasons of my life in, in, in the times of reproaches or insults, in necessities, those times when I'm in hardship and I'm going without, when I don't have what I need from day to day in, in my own mind and my own emotions and my own strength. I'm going to think well of these things. I'm going to think well in times of persecution, in times of distress. What does that mean? In times of struggle and difficulties. The, 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 the broader term means this, in narrowness of room. When my life feels like every, I don't have anything, I can't do anything. I'm dealing with this and this alone. I can't see anything else. The narrowness of room. He said, I'm going to think well of those times. Why? Look at those next three words. For Christ's sake. So when I'm dealing with every difficult situation, with every hardship, with every infirmity, with every bad thing I can go through in my life, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think well of those things. For my Lord's sake. And here's why. Because when I'm weak, then... I am strong because his strength is made perfect in weakness. And so I'm going to realize that when God allows me to go through a storm, when God allows me to go through distress and difficulty and pain and all these things, I realize that it's in those moments that I feel frail and weak that his strength can hold me up in a way that my strength can't. It may be a very simple point, but I believe it's so valuable for us to remember. Jesus told his disciples that the flesh of man, or in other words, our own capacity, our mental fortitude, our strength to withstand, our strength to stand within ourselves, to have that type of resolve we need in the time of distress, in the time of weakness, is insufficient. It falls so short. Again, that's why this point is so vital, and I believe so encouraging. That's point number two of this verse. God is faithful to strengthen us. He is faithful to strengthen us. It's not that God ever misses the time to strengthen us. It's not that God is lacking in his, in his faithfulness to strengthen us. God is faithful to strengthen us. If he is faithful and his strength is perfect in our weakness, then here's the question I have for us tonight before we close. Why would we seek strength anywhere else than him then? If he is faithful and he is faithful to strengthen us, and his strength is the only strength that can hold us up regardless of what we're going through, why would we seek to find strength in anything or anyone else, even ourselves? Here's why, I believe. It's because it's the nature of man. It's what we do. It's what man has done to read the Bible. It's, it's, it's all throughout the history of man found in the Bible. It's in our nature. I'll just do it myself. That's, that's the way it is. I, if it doesn't change right now, if it doesn't change in the time that I've given to God for it to change, then I'll change things even in my own wisdom if necessary. I'll make the necessary changes in my life to, avoid, to, to get out of this situation. I'll do what I want. I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. I'll fix it. Again, I'll be strong myself. When again, how foolish is that when Jesus said, 
spirit's willing, but the flesh, what you have, isn't sufficient. It's weak. So when we go through these times of weakness, go through these storms, go through these difficulties, go through all these things, and we say, you know what? I'm just going to push through. You're going to push through in your own strength? Yeah, if I have to, you're going to be destroyed. Satan's going to wipe the floor with you. Well, I'll just, I'll just keep faking it till I make it. No, you won't. Nope. He'll take you down before you can make it. The crazy thing is this. It's the opposite of what actually works in our time of need. When we say, you know what? I'm just going to do this. Well, if you're doing it in your own self and not relying on God, not going back to the faithful God, not going back to the faithfulness of God, if you're not standing on his word, if you're not trusting in him wholly, it won't work. There's another side of this too. I've seen this and unfortunately it's, I think it's just as uh, reliant upon man's strength as I'll just do it myself. I'll just fix it myself. And it's this. It's this giving up in the middle of the storm. Because I believe that's a pseudo-glorified way of doing it ourselves as well. Well, I'll just quit. I'll just stop. I'll just, I'll just stop going. I'll just stop serving. I'll just stop doing this. This is another pseudo-glorified way. It may seem humble to some, but the person trying to do it in their own strength that says things like this, well, I'll just step back. I'll just step out of the way. That's doing it yourself. It may seem to invoke pity by others, but so is this. I'm the only one who knows what this struggle is like. How dare us, how dare us spit in the face of our Savior like that? I'm the only one who knows what this struggle's like. It's a fleshly way to handle things. Just as anything else is, any other effort other than humbling ourselves before our Lord, turning to his word, turning to him in absolute confident prayer, pressing in to the very body of Christ that he's joined us in, and then waiting for his strength to be this establishing strength to pull us through. But that the, that's the key as well. Waiting on God. This confident expectation in his timing and all things, even in our struggles. God, you're wise. God, you're right. God, you're just. God, you have a purpose, an eternal plan in me going through this struggle right now. And it's good for me. And so I'm going to think of it well. I'm going to think it's right for me. And that's what I'll do. I'll trust your strength even when I'm most weak. Because I realize that strength is the only strength that's going to carry me through. But we don't want to do that. Why? Because we can be guilty of serving comfort over the comforter. I would rather just be done with it than to trust God. I'd rather just be out of this than to actually have what God wants me to have through this. I just want my life to be comfortable versus my life be found hidden in the comforter. 
We put a timer on our affliction. Okay. I've been dealing with this how long? I think that's about long enough, God. That's what we do. We may not literally do that, but that's, that's our, our, our mindset and our heart set. We go through a difficult time. We go through a difficult season, and it's been a month. It's been six months. It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been three years. And how long, God, do I have to continue to deal with this? We put a, a timer on it. We put our timer on our struggles. And again, if it doesn't resolve in the time that we put on God, this all-wise, this all-faithful God, if, if it doesn't happen in that time, then we give up. We turn away, we run. Maybe we try other things or we try to figure it out ourselves. And I want you to hear me tonight as a close. Often, it's that choice that prolongs the lesson that God wants us to get through that. And therefore, it's that choice that prolongs the struggle. And it's not only that, that choice that can prolong the, the struggle, but it gets worse. It's that choice that can also bring consequences on top of the test. So we have to truly surrender ourselves if musicians make their way to God's truth. What does that mean? It means that the test... The trial, the struggle we're going through, listen, is something that God is allowing us to go through, that he's using to shape us into the very image of the Son of God. Right now, you say, I'm dealing with something that maybe nobody else but God knows, okay? God knows, though. And if you're his, he's allowing it. And what he's doing is he's allowing you to go through this and he's wanting you to rely on his strength and wait on his time so that he can do in you and through you and form you into the image of his son so that it brings glory to him, not comfort to you. So with this truth, with, with these truths, why would we not welcome the pain, the distress, the difficulty, even the unanswered questions as the instruments of God's growth and refinement in our life. You know what? I don't have an answer right now, but God, I praise you for that. Because I realize that through these lack of answers, I'm seeking you more. I'm pressing into you more. I'm relying on others in the body to pray for me more. God, I, I, I may not understand while I'm dealing with this loss right now, but I welcome it. And I thank you for it. Because you're doing something in this and through this that is going to bring glory to you. Again, the Apostle Paul did. Remember what he said? Therefore, I take pleasure in. I think well of these infirmities and reproaches, these insults and necessities, these hardships that I'm going through, going without, persecution and distress, these struggles, these difficulties, this narrowness of room. I, I, I think well of it. Why? For Christ's sake. That's why. Others did the same. Others have done it. Others still do it today. And ultimately, that's what's best for us. Again, Lamentations 3, I'm not going to read it all. It talks about this, this faithfulness of God in the middle of, of great difficulty. So this evening, I want, I want us to remember the faithfulness of God. And the faithfulness of God to strengthen us 
to set us upright, to make us unmovable regardless of what we face. And I believe, again, the factor of whether we get that strength from God in time of need is whether we'll consider Christ more than we'll consider our comfort. I consider Him before and over any comfort I consider. I pray that, again, if you're going through something tonight, you'll remember the only way for you to make it through successfully, the only way for us to, to, to make it through and, and for God's will to be accomplished and Him to be glorified is for us to lean on His strength. Well, what does that look like? Well, you've got to sincerely turn to His Word. Sincerely rely on Him. And not rely on Him for just a little bit or for a time that you've set, but press into Him and press into Him and press into Him and seek Him and seek Him and seek Him and rely on Him and rely on Him and rely on Him until indefinitely. Period. So what if I have to do that for the rest of my life? Then that's what God wants. Maybe God's going to use you in some ways through the, the difficult distress for the rest of your life. So I don't like that. You've got to consider Christ more than your comfort. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. And thank you for this charge, this reminder tonight, this encouragement. Lord, we thank you that you are strong in our weaknesses. Lord, and while we don't like our weaknesses just because we are creatures of comfort and we're, we, we like things to be easy and we like things to be um, comfortable, Lord, we realize that it's only when we're weak that you're strong. And in our weaknesses, your strength is made perfect. And so, God, when we go through difficult times, and if there's someone here tonight that's going through a difficult time, a distressful time, a confusing time, a time of, uh, of testing, a trial, and I pray that tonight would have been an encouragement to them, maybe a challenge to them to embrace this time, to have the right heart, have the right mind, to rely on you wholly, to press into you, to seek you, Lord, that your will is accomplished in our lives. God, we pray that you would do that now in this invitation. Help us respond rightly to your word. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.